so we are starting a new sermon series and one of the things we've been wanting to do one of the ways we are thinking about what it is to be a, a disciple to go to become more like Jesus for us you know what does it mean for you to be more like Jesus basically it's to start wearing a kind of uh, long robe sandals traveling by donkey growing facial hair more impressive than mine more along Jacob's uh, level that's what it is to be like Jesus isn't it of course it's not. So we, we were kind of thinking, well, how do we understand to be like Jesus? And the thing that we went for is, we think Jesus is, you see throughout the, the Gospels, Jesus is incredibly secure. He knows who he is. He knows wh- where he comes from. He knows all these things. And so you never see Jesus pretending he's, not, he's someone who's not. He's never being defensive or self-justifying. He's never getting... Um, you know, he's never going on the attack to try and prove himself. He's never kind of flexing, which is what young people call, that's showing off. Okay, that's what flexing means. So he's never doing any of that because he's secure. So we thought, and I think it's really helpful as well, because when we're talking about security, we're talking about what goes on inside us. So it's not about how we act or how we perform or what we achieve. And it's also something that we just have to assess ourselves. It's not for public judgment. You know, it's not other people can't say. So we think this is a really good way of understanding what it is to be like Jesus. And so we said, well, we could see that we could be secure. We just kind of said five areas of life, secure in God. We know that God loves us. We're not trying to earn his love. We're not thinking that maybe he's secretly disappointed with us. He's just crazy in love with us. We're secure in the good news that uh, God is writing a good story in our lives so things will work for good, that the ultimate, whatever happens in our life, even the worst thing happened, will turn into good eternally. We're secure in the church that we belong to a family. We don't need to pretend or wear a mask or or achieve or perform or be of a certain moral standard to belong to the family. We're secure in our everyday life that we know God is with us 24-7 as we sleep, eat, work, as we do our activities that we like to do as we're in our families, our friends. And we're secure in mission. We're secure with the idea or secure that God wants to overflow, not just do stuff in our lives, but start affecting the people and situations around us. So what we've been doing is working through each of these. So securing God, we spent uh, a couple of months just talking just about how much God loves us. Securing the good news, we looked at what our eternal, what, what it really means, what heaven means and what, how it isn't what we uh, popular culture thinks, which would be really boring. And then we jumped to secure in mission. We talked about overflow. And so now we're going to talk about secure in church. And we're going to spend six weeks on this and think about what is it to be part of a church. And one thing that we've been thinking about for a number of years is really what does it mean to be a church? And this is what Jesus' last thing he said, and actually we said this on the beach last Sunday, which was a fantastic Sunday as Mim and Vicky got dunked. I don't know. Oh, hello, Vicky. <laughs> um, Jesus said this, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. I'm in charge of everything. Okay, I'm in charge of the universe. And then he says this to his ragtag set of disciples, which is really interesting. In this passage, it says that they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. They weren't even an all-star team then. He says, go, 
make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this idea of making disciples that we've been thinking about, and we want to make church, just as Jesus asked, to be suitable for that, and just going over old ground, we talk about discipleship. Uh, to be a disciple, we, uh, we grow in our relationship with God. We start, see it start to saturate our whole life, so we don't have God parts of our lives and our parts of our lives. And then it overflows into the world around us. So this is, discipleship is this apprentice to learn to live life, learn the skill of living from Jesus. And we see this, that increasingly we uh, develop our relationship with God. Increasingly we see it saturate into every area of our lives, even those bits we might have one time thought God wasn't interested in. And then it starts to overflow into the world around us. And so part of what we wanted to do as church, part of thinking about what it is to be a disciple and all that, is we want to make church work for that. So that's one of the reasons that we meet like this on a Sunday service every other week. And then we have hubs in between that. And what I want to talk about over these next six weeks is kind of a third aspect that I think will make church uh, more effective at disciple making and we're going to talk about something that we're going to call discipleship groups so over the next six weeks we're going to talk about what that would be like and basically present it as a tool or as a method or a format for us to do that and it's really there's nothing radical about this and I was thinking about this if you see everyone will have seen this picture so what do you see that's the question and so you either see a young woman looking away from us, or you see an elegant older lady <laughs> looking down towards me now. So who sees the young woman f more than, you know, who sees the older lady? Okay, so we need to, that's, this is how we discern who to pray for. <laughs> but... I, this just came to me thinking about what we're doing. I don't think we are doing anything new or different as a church, but it's all about a perspective of what we think church is. So personally, having, you know, like this is, uh, we're coming up to 18 years leading vineyards. All these ideas are really simple and obvious, um, but I feel like for a long time I haven't really considered these and it felt like I was only seeing one aspect of, of the church. I could only see it in one way. And so I think the way we think about church is really significant if we want church to be what God intends it to be. So, you know, there's things like the way we, the words we use, like we use the word church, but we really mean the Sunday service often. We talk about worship but we really mean singing songs. We talk about ministry and we mean praying for people or maybe we mean people who professionally are Christians for their profession. We talk about uh, calling and we talk about that's for certain special people. And even the word discipleship, we kind of think that's for like certain, like the kind of crack troops and stuff like that. So all these words just end up narrowing what it is that God wants to do. And so we don't end up with the kind of like the fullness of it. And one dynamic that I've reflected on a lot 
is this sense that sometimes we have, you've got the people who are up the front and then the people who are sitting in the congregation. And what can happen is it feel, you can get into this situation where the people up the front feel like they know what should happen and they're trying to persuade the people sitting in the congregation. And I feel uh, I know this because I really would rather be like maybe like three quarters of the way back or the back and someone else doing this bit. And, um, and I was thinking, oh, this isn't a patronizing thing. I'm not saying the people at the front are better or no more and everyone else is just, you know, like turning up. But what happens is I think, you know, we sit in the congregation, we have God doing stuff, we can be really passionate about what God's doing in our lives. But what happens in churches often is the people at the front, and I've done this so many times, are really passionate. This is the most important thing. We've all got to do this. And so we end up trying to persuade whatever this new thing is. Let's do this thing. And there is a massive irony in that because what we're going to do over this sec next six weeks is something I feel really passionate that we should all do. But the thing that I want to us to do is a thing that breaks this dynamic so this idea what we're going to learn in about these discipleship groups is uh, the word I've got for today's talk is about being empowered to understand quite how God wants to work in each of our lives as unique individuals in the midst of our 24-7 everyday life um, to work and not depend on this kind of dynamic of trying to persuade people so I kind of feel generally what we're trying to do with church, it's a bit like all of us, I'm sure, have got great stories of transformation in our life, what God has been doing, and church has been a great part of that. I kind of feel what we're trying to do with church is like we're a boat that's just got the front sail up, and we want to learn how to put up the main sail to catch more of the, the wind that God has so that we can be more intentional and more fruitful in what God wants to do. And I've been really challenged, I've said this before, by the Iranian church. The Iranian church cannot do this. They can't gather, in, they can't have an Instagram field. They can't put something up on um, social media to tell people to come into a room um, because it's completely illegal. And, but the Iranian church is the fastest growing church in the world and it's small groups that meet in homes and they're largely led apparently by young women or, or older teenage girls are leading these groups. And I thought, a real challenge, if I said to any of you, right, I've got these uh, 12 new believers, can you meet with them in your home and, and help them? Would I, I mean, I would. I think most of us would think, I wouldn't even know how to do that. Where would I start? What's that, what does that mean? And I kind of think, I've been going to church for over 30 years, I've sat through th countless sermons. How can I be in this place where I'm like, oh my word, that terrifies me, that prospect. And so I think this idea of how do we, how do we become empowered to understand what God is doing in us and through us and what he wants to overflow into others so that we are equipped and not dependent on uh, other, other people. So what we're going to do over these next six weeks, so I want to talk about this thing that we're going to call discipleship groups. It's a way of uh, using some of the principles we've talked about, community, being part with other people, and formation, undertaking things to do to help us uh, grow and become more disciples, to be apprenticed by Jesus. So that they are not prayer triplets. They're not about just praying for what's going on in each other's lives, although 
It does involve prayer. They're not accountability groups. They're not checking that you haven't done anything you shouldn't do. Although we will encourage one another to, to do the things that God's calling us to do. And they're not really pastoral groups. These aren't about developing your best, closest buddies. What we want to do actually is have these as something that is dynamic, that people might join and then they might multiply and all that. But it's a format to intentionally process the, the discipleship questions. What is God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? Those two questions. That is the journey God wants to take us on. He's, he's calling us to do something. What are we going to do about it? In the Bible, they would call this hear and obey. It's a real principle throughout the Bible. Hear and obey. What's God saying? Do it. Jesus called it uh, repent and believe. Repent, realize there's something different you're supposed to be doing, and then believe that you can trust God to do this new thing. So... It's a, it's a little bit like a, the process if you've ever done in your workplace of coaching. The idea, you know, coaching isn't someone tells you what to do. You work out yourself what to do, the answer's within you. But it's coaching with the Holy Spirit inside us. The answer is inside us because the Holy Spirit is inside us. God has stuff that he wants to take our lives on. Uh, and so the whole idea is about empowering us to, to have a format where we can get into that place and we're going to learn the process is cabdac okay for one of anything else i tried to make it make a word but cabdac so there's these six stages and we're going to think about these over the next six weeks and then there's going to be an invitation if you want to do this we are not going to it's not going to be sign up and you'll be put in a group we're not going to organize it this basically is it's something you can do or you, you don't do. I don't really care. I think this is a good thing. And if you want to do it, then you, we need to kind of like make it happen. Cabdac, chat and catch up. You know, you just meet up with your people. You, you like imagine there's three, four, possibly five of you meet up. You catch up. How's things going? What happened since we last met? A, it's asking God to get involved. God, we're, you know, just pause in to pray. God, as we do this, we just remind ourselves you're at the centre. B is the Bible. We go into the Bible to allow God to speak to us. It's not about learning information from the Bible. It's about letting God speak to us through his living word. D is discuss or discern. What is it that God's nudging me about? What is he prompting me to do? What has he laid on my heart? What's in my gut? What am I hearing from God? Whatever words we want to use. A is ask again. God... Now that we know that, help us do it this week. Q is a question. Saying to the other people in the group, next time we meet, ask me, have you done this thing? I think it's a really good process. The hub leaders have been trying this out. And, it's, and for some, it hasn't worked so much, mostly around getting together and meeting. So there, there's that whole kind of thing. They've been doing, like, it takes an hour, one hour every fortnight to do this. Um, but where, where it has worked, it's really exciting because there's often, you know, when you have the good intention, but you never do it, knowing someone's going to ask you if you've done it can really help you do it. Or there's that whole new aspect of something that you wouldn't do because uh, it's outside of your comfort zone. You know, like there's a good intention, but you just never get around to it because it never becomes a priority. Or there's that thing that you want to do that actually is a little bit intimidating, a bit scary, 
but because someone's going to ask you, you're more likely to do it. And each of these steps, I think, opens up what God's doing in our lives. So we're going to spend six weeks looking at something in the Bible each time that helps us just understand what God wants to do. And so today we're going to look at Romans 8, 26 to 30. And it says this, The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So this is one of those incredibly dense passages of uh, the Apostle Paul's writing. That, uh, so we'll just break it down in little bits. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what, what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings, even things that can't, we couldn't find words to express. Those things within us he is praying for. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. There is a process going on, even though we may be unaware of it, of this intimate connection with God that is unique and individual to us. God knows what's going on. The, the idea sometimes, I think, that we can get that there's like this cookie-cutter like process, you know, we're on a conveyor belt to become manufactured into uh, the likeness of Jesus. We are all completely unique, all individual. Um, C.S. Lewis talks about this. He talks about why is everyone unique? Why didn't God just make everyone the same? He says there must be, his reason is there must be something about the wonderfulness of God that can only be captured by having whatever, however many people have been alive, 10 billion individual representations of his image that just start to capture who God is. So we are unique and individual, but God is directly involved with us. And more than that, he's involved in calling out God's will for us. God has good things planned for us. God wants to do stuff in our lives. God is involved with us in our hardships, in our sufferings, in, in the celebrations, in all things. God is involved and the Holy Spirit is yearning and praying and calling us onto what God's will for each of those things is. So sometimes we hit situations where we think, oh, I don't really know what God wants. I don't know what I should do. Well, but that's fine. God does, and he's at work pulling you towards it. All you need to be is open for it. Sometimes we think, oh, God, God's not involved in this aspect of my life at all. I'm just getting on with stuff. We live a lot of our life that way. But that's not true either, because even in those things, God, God is involved and praying and connecting with us. And he goes on saying, we know God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called 
according to his purpose for them. God's purpose is good in all things, everything. So it's not this part of our life that God's interested in and the rest. All things, church, work, family, personal stuff, interests, God wants to bring good out in this. And one of the things that I'm, that's really important about discipleship groups is it's about our whole life. One thing that we've been aware of is if you every time you're going and you're saying, what is, it, what is it God's asking me to do and what should I do about it? Well, God wants me to read my Bible a bit more, so I'm going to do that. God wants me to pray a bit more, so I'm going to do that. I think this is the default for a lot of people. They think this is what, if what God wants for us is to pray more or read the Bible more. Now, that might be true, and I'm not saying we shouldn't pray more or read the Bible more, but what I am saying is often our understanding of who God is, if we get under the surface, is we think God's a little bit disappointed because we're not doing quite good enough. I mean, this, we, this is really true because I hear this so many times come out in different ways. I just need to be a bit better. God wants me to be better. That is no part of, the Bible doesn't do that at all. There's no part of God that's like that. We are told that God's love is unfailing and unending. So how can it be like, oh, I really love them, but actually I just, you know, I'm just a bit disappointed how much the Bible they're not reading like that. So we might do in these discipleship groups, we might be like, actually, I do feel God's prompted me to commit more to reading the Bible. But if every time we're doing that, I think we're missing that God wants to be involved in all things. He's just as much interested in our time spent with our colleagues as our time spent in the Bible. And possibly because God is so relational, he maybe is even more interested in the time we spend with our colleagues. And so these prompts, these all things that God might give us might be just to invite one of our colleagues to have coffee or bring them in a ke- you know all these sorts of things that we might be open to if we allow God to speak into those areas so his purpose is good and he makes it happen he causes everything we don't even have to make it happen ourselves we just need to step alongside him and then he finishes this for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son this is what we're talking about they're becoming like jesus becoming secure like jesus there's other bits in the bible like live a life worthy of the law 